Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. it's thursday that's what day it is you know it's funny i haven't been doing day after dynamite on the normal day uh last week was on wednesday night but it was late but it was technically thursday but it was wednesday because i was uh pacific time and then the week before that i did it on a friday but we're back on a thursday and it's thursday and you know what that means that means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite welcome to day after dynamite i'm will washington not alone here. I'm also joined by the one and only SP3. Welcome back to Day After Dynamite, SP3. It's been nearly a year since I've been on Day After Dynamite. I think I remember. It was March of last year. It was the Jeff Hardy jumps off the building. Uh, yeah. I don't uh, <laughs> and I was on here. <laughs> so it's, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you for returning to the show. Apologize for the change in my setup, folks, because... Uh, I tweeted last night at a very, very late night. I'm on very little sleep. Uh, I had a pipe burst in my house. Uh, Not a pipe, actually. I thought it was a pipe burst, but it turns out that my water heater just decided to go. And uh, so spilled water everywhere. Had to have the water heater replaced. So that was $3,000. And then I currently have people here who are going to be walking in and out of my background um placing fans everywhere to clear out the the water and the sad part is i just had all this stuff replaced i just literally put a new drywall um about a month and a half ago it's new carpet all of this stuff has to be 
hopefully not replaced because it's clean water. Uh, hopefully the cleanup doesn't go poorly and we can get this all cleaned up and, and good to go. Um, I, I was almost impressed by the little equipment they, they've got where they can just like poke and see where there's water and it beeps at them. Didn't know that exists, that, yeah. but that makes freaking sense. Uh, so this, so the cool thing is you're getting a little glimpse of what's actually always playing on the arcade because I always get the question of what's actually going on the screen because you can kind of get a glimpse of it. There's literally Mortal Kombat 2 playing right behind me. So uh, in a way, this is like you can get the attract mode of MK2. Uh, that's literally what's going behind me at most times. But anyway... Uh, and in, though, gotta, gotta compliment your dedication, still doing day after dynamite with all that you're dealing with. I commend you, sir. Yes, I, I have to, and I hope everybody likes my, my new setup. This is actually the first time I've gotten to use this setup, but uh, it's new everything, it's new lighting, um, new lighting uh, in front and back. It's a new camera. Uh, this is an entirely new setup for me that. Uh, it's the first time I've gotten to use, so let me know. How's it look? How's the, the shot look? How's my complexion? Um, I, this should be a change for Day After Dynamite. Uh, and a change for all my shows, because I'll be doing this on... Uh, hell, we got Grapsity, Ask Grapsity in an hour and a half. And uh, we also have... I've got Grapsity on Saturday. I have After the Week on Sundays. It's It's... All great. Um, I guess, yeah, you, some are calling this, I saw Vasco says, uh, Dad After Mania. Sure, why not? Uh, and look, so let's talk. Let's talk about everything. First off, I want to let everybody know that with this being Day After Dynamite, don't forget, you can send us your super chats. YouTube.com slash Fightful is the way to send us your super chats. We also have Humper Chats, HumperChats.com. You can send those really at any point. And we've got a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, we have to talk about pretty much all the news that broke yesterday and some of the scoops behind it and, and what did we know and what do we know about all of it. Uh, I have some information. I know somebody was coming at Sean on Twitter like they always do about how if you guys knew uh, about the Wembley show, why didn't you report it? And one, Sean did. Uh, Sean did say that uh, he had heard Wembley. He knew that's what the uh, what the announcement was. And that uh, but I mean, we all had the same reaction when I heard Wembley. I was like, oh, they must mean Wembley Arena. There's no way they mean Wembley Stadium. That cannot be can't. Can't be. Doesn't make any sense. Obviously, they mean the OVO, the Wembley Arena. No. That was, no, he did not. I even thought, no, Adam Cole misspoke. He did not mean Wembley Stadium when he said that. Uh, but I will say, and this is probably a thing I could have reported but didn't, uh, in that I did tell Sean and Denise. Uh, so blame them, too, for having it and not saying anything. But I did tell both of them when it was. Um, that we both, uh, that an hour before the show, I did get my hands on the date. And I said uh, to both of them, I was like, uh, this is a week before All Out. And uh, and it was like, well, is All Out still on? Is this a mistake? I don't know. Uh, but it turns out, no, it's a week before All Out and All Out is still on. But we're going to talk about some of the details of that. Uh, and 
like I said, send us your super chats. You can send us a super chat and be like our pal Tim Gordon, who says Jamie Hayter is the only person who should be a thousand day champion. Disagree, Tim Gordon, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe that Jamie Hayter has the opportunity at one of the biggest moments imaginable. And I think if you somehow in the next month or so take the title off of her, you could give her a massive moment at Wembley Stadium and winning the title back. But you've got to build a story there and you've got four and a half months to do it. And I think they should take it off of her soon and build her back up to it and give her a moment in front of that crowd. Or when you have that many fans, the thing you should do is screw them out of it and send them home sad so that everybody (laughs) on Twitter can debate whether or not you're supposed to give people what they want. Um, Will Washington! <laughs> oh, God. I try to get away from this guy. What is he we doing We got to give the people what they want. We can't screw the audience here. And the people want the Jeremy running because it's been a couple of weeks now. It How has been a couple of weeks. I am great. How are you, Jeremy? Oh, don't lie to me, Will Washington. I'm sorry to hear see what happened with uh, <laughs> the water heater. I'm very... Very sorry about that. That is a pain in the ass. So I hope the I hope you got that all all squared away because I can't imagine that. Oh no, there's literally people behind me working on this as we speak. Look at you. you. Look at this pro still doing the show. That's what I just told him. I just told him that. (laughs) Look, I don't get paid if I don't do this show. So therefore, I'm gonna do this show. I mean, that doesn't seem right. You should get paid regardless. Who cares if you do this show or not? (laughs) I get what am I gonna do? Like invoice the day after dynamite that didn't take place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly doing this wrong. <laughs> you said you don't send the invoice, you don't send the invoice for six months anyway, Will. Sean doesn't remember what shows happened or didn't happen. <laughs> He's got you there. Yeah, true. SP3! Anyway. How are you, buddy? I never talked to you. I know. I barely ever, ever see him. It's not like I did a whole review of WrestleMania Night 2 with him hating on Edge and saying Snoop Dogg was the MVP or uh, doing... Uh, doing I mean, all of these things are correct, SP3. I don't understand what the argument is here. I'm not, I'm not arguing. I, I gave Snoop Dogg all the love. He's a fellow Laker fan. Oh, this is my favorite screen that Mortal Kombat does because it, if you send a check... Uh, and you have till what is that August fifth, nineteen ninety five, to send that in. Uh, you can get the f- compact disc that has the entire soundtrack to Mortal Kombat two. I did that, by the way. I have that around here somewhere. <laughs> Where's the soundtrack? Yeah, uh, it's around here somewhere. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? The, like all of that, literally in twenty twenty one, got re released on streaming services finally. But that whole soundtrack is out there. It's a gr- the greatest soundtrack I believe to a video game ever made. Uh, I think it is. Just excellent music. Shout out Dan Ford and Mr. Toasty um, for a beautiful, beautiful composed video game soundtrack. One of my favorites ever. Send a check or money order. 1995 uh, is, is <laughs> when address? time runs Let's out on the that. Address in, in the chat and see if somebody <laughs> just send, send the check. Send the yeah, check. Right. I was, look, I was actually, there was one time I was uh, watching old like Time Life commercials on youtube for whatever reason late at night and i was like what happens if i call the number on these and so i did and somebody answered and i was like um i'd like to order sounds of the 70s and there you go (laughs) (laughs) 
See, and the legit, part. they were like, would you like that on cassette or CD? And I thought, there's no freaking way you still have those ready to <laughs> ship. There's no way. There is a way. But they're not smart like WWE does with the with the Peacock editions of WCW when they have the hotline. They just uh-huh. blur out the numbers. They blur it out. Yeah, even out. though everybody remembers 1-900-909-9900. <laughs> what happens if you call that now? I don't know. You hear I, think, I think your mom still gets charged uh, fifty dollars. What if what if we call this right now? Oh God, he's gonna nine hundred nine oh nine ninety nine hundred. Okay. Gene Okerlund answers I'll and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> your call cannot be completed as dialed. Damn. Please hang up and redial the number, including the area code. Oh. Uh-huh. Welcome to Verizon Wireless. That's it can't be completed, everybody. Well, there you go. If anybody ever wanted to try to call the WCW hotline, it just it can't be completed. No, nope. doesn't work. It's too this is gonna be a historical show just for just for that. People are like, what happens if you call the the WCW hotline? Well, on the April 6, twenty twenty three edition of Day After Dynamite, these three guys tried it and it did not work. So historical no. edition right here. That's right. All right. Well, we got stuff to talk about because we're going to be talking about uh, All In and uh, what that means for AEW and what exactly is All In because there's a lot we know about it, but there's a lot we don't. The press release, for example, doesn't note how this show's watchable. Um, and that is an important detail because. Uh, I have a feeling we'll find out in the future, but every other announcement that's been made about pay-per-views when a press release comes out usually indicates it'll be available on Bleach Report, all of that. This does not say that whatsoever, which tells me that it's something else, Um, or at least they've got something else in mind. Maybe it does end up on Bleach Report eventually, but at the moment, nothing is announced in that regard. And uh, I tweeted that I would do my best to figure out whether or not the show uh if all out was still on and then um like right after i found out anthony bowens tweeted yeah all out still on uh but i then was like well let me gather some more information so all out still on it is happening one week later after all in and i did confirm that it is still in chicago uh it is still that show um and as we reported fightful select the venue as uh, as it stands right now, is the United Center in Chicago, Illinois, not the now arena in uh, Hoffman, Hoffman Estates. Hoffman Estates, yeah. Yes. So I've mentioned before that I feel like I'm going to miss Hoffman Estates. I've been to every All Out, and I just feel like, God, I know that place so well. A nice area. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that it's nice because you, the transportation kind of sucks, but I just know it. Like walking to GCW, like I knew exactly where I was going every yes. single time because my like I knew it walking distance from my hotel. I knew how to get like the 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 place where they'd always do the party outside a uh, all out across the street. What was it? Yeah. All outside. Um, and With like Max- I remember that I was at all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then like Max Castor the last two years has done raps outside. Like it's. I know that area. I know it well, and it's like kind of sad to me that that's what we're doing. That we we were. I mean, kind of. On the other side of that, I went to Forbidden Door last year. God, United Center is so much easier. So much easier to access. It's a much cooler venue, and uh, I'm happy that that's where 
uh, All Out is looking like it's taking place. Again, it's a week later. That, I do believe, is going to remain just a standard AEW pay-per-view. As far as what All In is concerned, I've seen speculation as far as does it just air on TBS or TNT. There's been, uh, you know, they they mentioned in the announcement that it's going to be a part of the celebration of 100 years of Warner Bros. That could mean anything. Uh, Is it going to end up on a streaming service? I don't know. Uh, Warner Bros. is announcing the launch of their new streaming service like in a week right uh the the launch of max so could be something related to that who knows but at the moment it doesn't look like it's going to be just a standard AEW pay-per-view that's very interesting i will say what's what's your guess will washington uh, I don't have a guess. Uh, that, like, really, I, I don't know what it could be. Like, if I just threw something against the wall, I would say um, it probably ends up streaming somewhere. Uh, I mean, it'd be cool if it were on TV, I suppose. But, like, then we're dealing with, like, commercial breaks and all that. And to have a, that big of a venue, the largest venue AEW will have run with the most fans that AEW could possibly ever have. Like, even if they top 20,000, that's still the most they've ever had. Uh, and so I think that that would suck to have that scenario with, uh, we're going to continue with picture in picture. And so, (laughs) uh, please don't, (laughs) I I would love it if it wasn't a TV thing. So I would like for it to be on something streaming, something online, something available to people. How about you, SP3? Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to probably be on that new streaming service. My initial reaction when I read the press release is that was the first thing that caught my eye is that it won't be on pay-per-view. So I immediately was like, maybe HBO Max? Because I agree with Will. I don't want it to be on TV. Uh, most most weeks for Dynamite, I just go on my VPN and switch over to the Fight TV feed because I don't want to deal with picture-in-picture. Picture. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that the if they're going to do this event, like you said, if it gets, you know, 50, 60,000, which I think is the kind of a modest kind of goal to get to, I think it has to be on a streaming service. What about which you? is crazy to even think about AEW pulling that many people and go, that's modest. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> like a show that does uh, what this week's show, I think, topped a little over 7,000, but uh, like a show that does five to 7,000 a week, sometimes four is like, hey, they need to pull set to fifty to sixty thousand people here. That just sounds like insanity, but they gotta uh, they gotta triple like their their highest because Arthur Ashe is like their highest. That's about twenty thousand, yeah. right? And like mm-hmm. I think I assume they're hoping for about sixty thousand for this. So that they'd be triple what their record is. That does it's ambitious. Like I actually admire just how ambitious they're going here. And well uh-huh. you you always have more insights uh than just about anybody else on this stuff. I assume they got the metrics and the the belief that we can we can probably do this. One one metrics belief of like we got some we got some stuff up our up our sleeve to to pull this off. I will say that AEW's most ambitious uh, attempts at running events have all turned out fairly well. I think that. Usually the ones that, uh, the shows that haven't done well for AEW as far as attendance are concerned are like bullshit towns nobody cares about, right? But like major cities have all done well for them. Um, And so, because like I I think about that show in 
what was it the Fort Myers show where Jeff Hardy returned last year? Like that one didn't do very well, but uh, also like whatever. Um, like nobody's like losing sleep over Fort Myers, right? But then everybody was like, well, there's no way they sell at the United Center, and they did it twice. And so, uh, like major cities in the United States at least at least have all done well for them. So I am curious what this one ends up doing uh, attendance wise because it's a lot of people. That's a lofty goal. I mean, like, I still think visually one of the best looking shows of all time is SummerSlam 1992. Yeah. Yeah, which my missus, my missus was in the front row for. So when she she heard that, when she heard that the AEW is going to do Wembley Stadium, and you, and Jeremy knows where my missus worked. She was oh. just like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> she was so indignant this morning. She was like, ha, they're doing Webley Stadium. She was like, WWE couldn't even sell out Cardiff. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried that your Europe's going to capture you again, SP3, and we're going to lose you to England for another two months like we did last year. Hey, I might go out there for money in the bank and just stay. And just stay for another few months. <laughs> they kill two birds, one stone, man. Um, yeah, it's it's very ambitious. But I will say I like the fact that they're calling it all in because this does fit the all in brand. Because the whole brand was about them. People say they couldn't sell out a 10,000-seat a 10, arena. And now, like I said, my missus was one. I've seen billion, uh, a couple of people on Twitter, all over social media, saying they can't do 90,000. And I'm just like, I'm just going to wait and see. I want to see what they yeah, do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bet against anything at this stage because yeah. uh, I've seen what happens there. So not going to make any bets. Uh, but it is interesting. Yeah, the, to pull out the all-in brand is... Uh, one that I wasn't sure they were ever going to do again. Um, for those who don't know the story behind the All In brand, um, so of course the, it's very well documented that it's the show that Cody and the Young Bucks put on. But as far as the brand itself is concerned, the trademark of All In was originally made by the Young Bucks. They owned the trademark All In, and so because I've seen people saying little silly things like, well, this is actually Cody's show. This is this was a Ring of Honor show. This is blah, blah, blah. The show itself, there was a mixture of people. And uh, and it was the reason that you haven't seen All In in any official capacity since then has been because it's all been in various different places ownership has been. The trademark All In belonged to Killing the Business Inc., which is the DBA of the Young Bucks. Uh, and the footage was all owned by Ring of Honor, who produced the show, and so all of it was kind of in limbo. In 2020, the Young Bucks turned over the trademark of All In to Tony Khan, and so Tony Khan did own the name, and he's owned it for three years, but he has not owned the footage to do anything with that. So as far as that was concerned, All In was just kind of this, this thing that like was sitting with Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor couldn't do anything with it because they don't own the name. But AEW can't do anything with it because they don't own the footage. And so All In was this weird show that kind of sat in limbo that nobody had anything to do with anymore. And it was going to be a memory in our hearts. And then Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor last year. And that put everything under one umbrella. Tony Khan now owns the trademark of All In. And he now owns the, uh, he does officially have the footage. And so therefore he has all of all in historically. 
and All In can now officially be kind of retconned into AEW's history. So uh, that's the story, as it were. Jeremy, do you want to continue to sit here with your face split? <laughs> Always. This is, this is my favorite. I mean, look, I was engaged in, because you, more than anybody, just encyclopedia of, of history <laughs> here when it comes to this stuff. I remember when I wrote like an all-in article and stuff and you commented and you're like, actually here is, this is who has the trademark and everything. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you for <laughs> correcting me. Yeah, oh, this isn't uh, just stuff I looked up. This is all stuff no, I've I know. Had. I yeah. know it's completely off the top of your head. Like I absolutely yeah. know that. Um, I was just, I was listening. I was oh. always enthralled when you speak. Will thank Washington. you, Jeremy. There was a knock that. at the door though. So I was uh, trying to make sure that nothing was was happening there. Um, I will. Will Washington just wants me to leave. That's all it is. Very soon. <laughs> I'm trying to find a nice way to do it, Jeremy. But you can just kick me off the stream. But, That's the, what I do but, but you're not taking the hit. You know the whole. Hey, wow. Uh, so so what are you get? So what are you getting into, Jeremy? You know you wow. got anything else to do? <laughs> wow. That's fine. I'll just leave. No one will ever see me again on this show. No! (laughs) (laughs) Made you feel bad at the end. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Oh, and look, and now we see him again. All right. So, everybody, Jeremy Lombert, everyone. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Yeah, Jeremy Lombert. That's uh, my guy. So, uh, again, like I said, All In has been a very interesting show that we weren't sure they we would ever see again but then you know what happened uh it's funny that at the ring of honor media scrum last week phil Lindsay, shout out phil literally asked about all in of all shows to ask about and you can almost see this smirk for montoni's face of like don't say too much but (laughs) and i thought that's i thought that was very funny i was uh because in hindsight of listening to that and thinking about it i'm like i can't believe that i can't believe that phil actually did ask about of all things he asked about all in and here we are now AEW is officially doing all in it's the first ever AEW all in but i think historically now that they own it all all in should be retconned into AEW's history. I know Double or Nothing is seen as the first official AEW show because Tony Khan, that was the first show Tony Khan did. But I mean, look, the thing that rolled, that got AEW moving was All In. It, literally, everything happened that way because of All In. So, and Tony Khan was there for that as well. You could see when you go back and see the footage, you'll see him with the Bullet Club shirt in the like what the what was it the first or second row. So mm-hmm. he was there for all of these events in AEW history. Yeah. So uh, either way, All In taking place, Wembley Stadium. What do you think we'll see at that show, knowing that All Out is coming a week later? So, so knowing that All Out is a week later, I'm going to – I really feel like they want to do All Out at the United Center because the idea pre-Instagram post was CM Punk. <laughs> CM Punk 
is going to be back in a big-time position, whether that's Punk and FTR versus the Elite, whether that's Kenny Omega versus CM Punk, whether that's CM Punk versus MJF, which all three of those, when you look at the current, you know, people that are under contract to AEW, those are like the three biggest matches that they can do with CM Punk. So I thought one of those matches was definitely going to be at All Out in the United Center. Since it's in the UK, I think you have to go... Kenny has to be in a big-time position because I feel like Kenny Omega is the key to this one. And I think it either has to be Kenny versus Okada first time outside of Japan. Or you do... You save... You don't do Forbidden Door 2, which I thought it was going to be Omega Osprey 2 at that event. You do Omega Osprey in the UK because Osprey is such a big figure out there. And I love your idea for Jamie Hayter taking the title off of her. And it just, I think you made a with that, honestly. You instantly... I instantly was like, yeah, Soraya wins the title and you do Soraya versus Jamie Hayter one-on-one in the... That's your two big female... Uh, you know, UK stars up against one another. That would be the big women's match. That I don't I know do. that I could see the belt on Soraya. To be I, honest, I don't know stage. either, but I'm just saying for the UK, you know, the UK fans and how they feel about Soraya. They feel a lot differently than how the US fans feel about Soraya. But I would say, you know, it, you know, of course, there's also, you know, someone like Tony Storm who's so integrated for her time in the UK, whether it be NXT, Progress, all her independent work being in the UK. She's someone else that you could put in that position. But I, I just feel like, you know, if you talk about people that are currently under contract, Soraya versus Jamie Hayter is a big matchup. If you want to call in Mercedes Monet, that's a big matchup that you can do with, with Jamie Hayter. Money. Uh, but yeah, I would say Osprey. I'm gonna say Osprey Omega 2 would be my initial guess for a big what would you do at Forbidden Door in that sense? Because I feel like that's the place to do that. Yeah, I I feel I I said that too. (laughs) I said that too, but it's it feels like if you're gonna do that at Forbidden Door 2, I kind of would say Osprey wins there. And it's Osprey gonna win back the US title when he's my personal favorite to win the G1 this year. No, nah, that's too close to the G1 for it. Anytime someone wins a title before the G1, it automatically disqualifies them from winning the G1. So I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to, to stop. Yeah, I feel like the whole trilogy is gonna end at Wrestle Kingdom. So I would either do Omega Osprey there or at Forbidden Door 2. And if you do that, if you do it at Forbidden Door 2, then you gotta give us Omega versus Okada. And Omega beats Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in the UK to set up Omega Osprey 3 at Wrestle Kingdom. You've given that a lot of thought. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Hey, we got a humper chat. This one's from Daddy Magic. It says, uh, Will Washington. Thank you. I'm glad Jeremy's bit has caught on. Uh, Sorry to hear about your burst pipe, man. I work in mold remediation out in VA. I DM'd you on Twitter. I'd love to talk you through the next few steps to keep... uh, It keeps going. To keep you safe from a possible mold issue. Nasty shit, pal. Thinking about you guys. Thank you. Um, Again, I've got... You can kind of see behind the arcade and that little sliver there. You can see, uh, and you can hear the bag shuffling because I know if I can hear it, then you guys can hear it on the mic. Uh, so I apologize for that, but they're moving fans and stuff in and out. Uh, and so thank you for the super chat or for the humper chat there. 
I also got this one. This one's from Jason. It says, Morning, Will, and guest host, because we haven't revealed who it is. I know you can't say who Swerve is going to have as a new affiliate, but do you think the IWC will like it, or will they be all up in arms? I I think it's a good pick. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I think that it is a... I think it's an improvement. I think I think it's very good, honestly. Um, and honestly, it's one of those like, oh, I would have made that choice in the first place. But uh, you, you'll know when you know, and uh, that's that's it. That's all I'll say. Um, but I think it's a good choice. I really do. But I, as me and Sean Ross Sapp talked about this week, am not, folks, in the business of spoilers. Um, I'm in the business of news reporting, right? Because, like, I'll tell you something. <laughs> that FTR win. <laughs> was something that a lot of us have known about like when people would ask me they're like yeah. do you think ftr is going to wwe no, no. <laughs> like this has been the plan since like december but uh uh so i don't like to spoil finishes i don't like to spoil storyline outcomes um if it's news that's being reported like a signing like something along those lines or like contract status or backstage news things along those lines that's different but when it comes to like the news of spoilers i hate that i don't like spoiling i don't even want to know sometimes i don't want to know who's winning a match i don't want to know any of that stuff uh, people ask me when Swerve and Keith won the tag titles. They're like, oh, did you know? No. I was pleasantly surprised. I was shocked at that uh, because I don't want to know that kind of stuff. Um, and so, like I said, not in the business of spoilers necessarily here. And uh, But yeah, and that was the same thing with the FTR thing of like, okay, 
I know how this ends because I know that they're staying, but that in itself would spoil the match. And so, and granted, PW Insider reported that FTR were under long-term deals. They're and more then they than backed that. off of it. They were like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it was because FTR said that wasn't true. Yeah. The motherfuckers were lying. Of course they were, but but that's the only way that this story works is if they did lie. And so um, I applaud them for lying about it. They needed to because it kept suspense all through that main event last night. And it had people speculating for a while. There are people who think, I've seen it constantly, that, oh, FTR winning means they're not going to WWE. This match wouldn't have been booked if they were going to WWE. What do you mean? Um, and so... I, it, I said that when they got the, the months off. I was like, Tony, how why would Tony give the months off if they're gonna leave in April? Like you giving them three months off when you only have four months left on their contract? Get, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> no, and so yeah, that that was the deal with that. Um they were never going anywhere. Uh or at least they maybe, you know, through negotiations, maybe that was the discussion at some point, but I would say that from the time they began losing their belts, this was the plan that it was they were going to go on this losing streak. They were going to lose all their belts. Um, their last loss was supposed to be to the Ass Boys, uh, which then sent them on their time off. They would return and defeat the Ass Boys for the titles, and that was it. That was the plan. It's always been the plan, <laughs> and. Uh, so it's all happened and it's all played out the way that they had planned on it playing out. So, like I said, I never considered FTR. Um, I mean, they played it up well. I will say that Dax and Little thinks he said like, "Well, well, Cody has made me consider going to WWE." Exactly. Exactly. Like <laughs> you, you don't have to be in the know. You just have to watch wrestling for a long time. <laughs> like if, if you watch wrestling long enough, you kind of get these things, and you could see the setup with uh, how they lost all their titles at once, and then the loss to the acclaim. Like I had people that asked me, "Oh, why didn't they just beat the acclaim?" I was like, "If you watch the match, you saw the acclaim were more over as baby faces than FTR, who's been built up as this top baby face tag team." And, a claim was the right decision at that time, and that's why they lost to the Ass Boys to set up the Ass Boys to win the title and be transitional champions to them. So you don't need, you don't always need to, you know, have the inside information. Just follow the tea leaves of everything. And like, like I said before, them getting months off when they only had four months left on their deal, that should have been the biggest hit to people. That uh, I think maybe they're staying because this would be a bad decision if they got three months off. <laughs> when they only have four months left on their deal right um i have concern i'm not gonna say that thing never mind i'm not gonna say that because there's somebody <laughs> I, who I love the look you get when you want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's somebody who watches this show who uh i might be spoiling some of the stuff they're doing uh so i'm not gonna say that piece um but uh regardless i it, it, it was a fun couple of months to watch it all transpire to watch the idea of people thinking that hey they could be headed back like never mind the fact like you when you hear Dax give his reasoning today which he did today on uh Twitter when he explained that um we chose AEW because um we like the schedule and 
we believe in giving back to professional wrestling, which we believe we can do better with AEW. And it was like, yeah, those guys were never going to go back to working house shows on four or five days a week. Like that wasn't a thing they were going to go back and do. Uh, And also, you also have to consider how much their presentation has really enhanced this last year and just how much has changed in the last year and a half. Like I know a lot of people think that they were just kind of miserable doing what they were doing, but I don't, I don't see that. I don't see uh, like maybe because I know a lot of fans were upset about what they thought was going to take place at all out last year. And it ended up not happening. Even though I heard at the time and said it on this show that that was never the plan. The plan was that the Hardys were going to win the titles. Um, and that that was the Bucks were never supposed to get that second reign. But I think that works out because look at how who the only two two-time tag team champions are now. FTR and the Young Bucks. Matter of fact, I had this idea. Um, thinking about how we could get to FTR Young Bucks 3. And I think it would involve some kind of convoluted way of getting the belts vacated. And I don't know how we do it, but some kind of situation that results in, like we put the belts on somebody else and you have one of the members get injured, uh, whatever. But something that results in the belts being vacated. So we have no AEW Tag Team Champions. And then the tournament is put together to crown the new champions and it comes down to the young bucks and ftr and tony is forced at that point to give only one of them the first ever three-time victory in ftr versus young bucks three one of them becomes three-time champions the other does not and there's no retention here there's nothing uh because in the last the last two times we saw them face each other, we've seen them face each other for the AEW tag titles. We saw a title change. Second time, we saw titles retained. On the third time, I think there should be no reigning champion. I think we can go in with both tag teams wanting to become the, th- uh, the first ever three-time champs and uh, clean slate. Neither one is walking in champion. Neither one is losing a reign, but at some point... One of them has to win. That's how I do that. Hey, that's another one that you could put on either all in or all <laughs> out. Um, why not? Why, why not? not? Why yeah. not? That sounds like fun to me. Or, uh, you know, best two out of three falls. I've seen people in the chat saying that's something that I thought they would do for, for round two. But I would love to see mm-hmm. it uh, here. You know, yeah, there's a, there's so many different ways they can go about it. But that's a great idea. But that's another big matchup that AEW has in their back pocket. And I saw somebody on Twitter say it. And I kind of feel the same way with Forbidden Door coming up to, you know, already sold out in Toronto. You got all in at Webley Stadium, 90,000 potentially that they could fit in there, then all out in the United Center. Everything is falling into place for it feeling like 2021, how 2021 felt around this time two years ago, how AEW was getting momentum and building up to that summer that they just, 
you know, blew up and had one of the greatest summers that I remember in professional wrestling that all culminated at All Out and then extended into the fall where, you know, TV was great into the fall. I was at full gear that year. That was a tremendous card from top to bottom, ending with Hangman Page winning the world championship. It feels like everything is falling into place for 2023 to possibly even top 2021. Yes. Um, by the way, ratings are out, so we'll talk about it a little bit later. It did 877. Uh, so that up from last week, up from last week, and then um, the 18 to 49 is a 0.3. So, we'll talk about that here in a sec, but I want to get through more of the super chats. Um, let's see, this one is from Black Phoenix Brands as attended Dynamite last night. Amazing show as usual. New Yorkers are an interesting bunch to a southerner. Uh, merch was skimpy as usual. Could that be a byproduct of AEW's merch being distributed by PWTs? That's exactly what it is because AEW's merch, so PWTs is um, just a different model, a business model than, say, WWE Shop, which is that, uh, you know, PWTs is t shirts on demand. They print them as they're ordered. That's why they take so much longer. Um, They do not have those pre made, whereas WWE Shop pre-makes those shirts and uh so as a result it, it's easier for them to bring those to shows i think that it would be in their best interest if i and again i don't know the logistics of this, this is literally just me throwing out ideas but the idea of them possibly taking i think they should at least make sure that once they have the card and good example here this week's card was out the full week before. They We knew yeah. everything going into this show. As a matter of fact, certain matches were promoted like two weeks ago, right? Uh, so we've known a lot of this stuff for a while. As a matter of fact, the Juice Robinson, and now that I think about it, we should have known that's where Jay White was coming in. But the Juice Robinson match uh, was announced two weeks ago in Independence, Missouri. I was there. Yeah. Uh, and so... I say all that to say that when you know the card, I feel like they should at least be printing shirts of everybody on the card. Agreed. Uh, bring a set number of shirts. And then, like, if you whatever you don't sell, like, I don't know. I know that, that that's going to result in some leftover, but I don't know, give it to the homeless or something. Um, or, uh, you know, it's the AEW community. Do something with those shirts. I don't know. but uh, Or AEW Together is what it's called now. Yeah. Um, Shout out to AEW together because they had the wrestling club uh, in Long Island with uh, True Hill Heat's own Chrissy Love, who her son son is a part of the wrestling club. So she was one of the chaperones. So they got to meet everybody. I Uh, heard. Yeah, I saw. um, I don't know if it's been posted yet. I saw the picture of uh, Jade with the girls. And that was really cool. Um, and I saw, I saw the Kenny Omega stuff. That was really cool. Uh, no, shout out all of that. That's, that's honestly like such a cool thing. Um, I, I got to see them at, uh, super card of honor. Um, and, uh, just last week and, you know, they got to go to WrestleMania. They have just had an amazing time. Uh, like it's inspiring. It makes me, um, wish that you know i i know when i was in middle school that was when my wrestling fandom kicked up to a thousand i know that it was seventh grade uh christmas that year i got nothing but wrestling stuff i got 
WWF WrestleMania 2000. I got uh, I got I got WrestleMania 2000 and Attitude the same Christmas, and only one of them got played because Attitude fucking stunk. Um, yeah, it was not good. At least I got that when it first came out, so at least I had a couple of months before WrestleMania 2000 came out, and then I stopped playing Attitude. I had rented Attitude, so I had already played it, but uh, it was one of those things where it, like. You know, I was asked what I wanted for Christmas by my mom and dad, and they're just, I was just like wrestling. And they're like, okay. And they got me every little thing they could. Um, and so, yeah, I had WrestleMania 2000, but then I also had uh, uh, Attitude. But then I also got, uh, what was the other one? Um, WWF The Music Volume 4 uh, also got that Christmas. Classic. Yeah. Is that the one with the green and black? Yeah, green, green and, and black. black. Yeah, yes. yes. I remember mm-hmm. that because I remember Christian's theme was like my favorite one on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the blood brother yes yeah. uh was my favorite on there i mean d'lo brown was a big one for yes. me um yes. and of course everybody loves my time triple h uh and the rock of course is on there know your role new version uh, uh that is such a great album classic uh, no uh, i mean that was the christmas though that was like the year that i went from being a kid who watches wrestling to a kid who is obsessed with professional wrestling like wrestling was my thing at that point same for me because that was the year i i like vividly remember that girls in my class were into wrestling now mm-hmm. and that made me the cool guy because i was the the wrestling fanatic guy in the in the class so oh yeah girls would girls would be like oh so who's this who's this everybody loved the rock at the time and that's what that i was going to say the rock had like <laughs> the when the rock blew up that was when you could use wrestling to talk to yes. girls. We yes. didn't have that before. Uh, but all of a sudden, like when it was Hogan and shit, nobody cared, right? No, but when no. but when The Rock came along, all of a sudden, girls had interest in wrestling. And yes. my knowledge of professional wrestling, of knowing The Rock's whole career, like, oh, you yes. don't even know Nation of Domination. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know Rocky Maya v- Oh, you don't even oh, know. Oh, used to get booed back in the day. Oh, it yeah. Was <laughs> I was at, the coolest thing that I told girls is, oh, I was actually there at Survivor Series 1996 when he when he debuted. debuted? Like, I, re- <laughs> I remember <laughs> that him coming out as the peacock, and everybody was just like, okay, all right, third, yeah, all right, now, peacock, okay, yeah, cool, that- that's cool, but uh, I don't know, but yeah, that made me the cool. And I remember that was also the year where I I had the whole, oh, I like the heels now. That was I remember seventh oh, grade yeah, because yeah, I loved yeah. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle was Kurt Angle and Edge and Christian were my guys. Seventh oh, grade. see, I and I, I did a complete turnaround on because I hated, 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 hated Babyface DX. Um, that I hated uh, the five of them as babyfaces. They annoyed the hell out of me. I was a Nation kid, um, and so I think sixth grade, the Nation was what turned me on to heels. I loved. Specifically, the Rocks led Nation. I yeah. thought that they were just the coolest dudes. Like, I liked the Nation before, but once the Rock took over and all of a sudden they all kind of gained their personality, you started seeing Kama become the Godfather, D'Lo Brown wearing the chest protector. Like, all of that stuff that we came to know of their careers became more synonymous with them. That was that year. I mean, that was where I got into heels. But what I was saying was. At that point, right, you know, DX reunited, they turned heel, and they became my favorite group. McMahon, Helmsley Faction, I adored that version of DX coming out to run DMC, like all of that. That was my favorite 
faction at that time. And I remember people arguing with me like, no, 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 DX was way better when it was, you know, when Triple H was telling the crowd, let's get ready to suck it. And I'm like, no, DX is great as his lackeys, where they basically take beatings from Kane while Hunter retains the title. That's D-Generation X to me. I loved it. I love DX. I will say I did love DX uh, during the Triple H era only because I had that DX VHS that had all the unedited promos. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. the 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 state of who none of that holds up. By the way, I just recently watched it. Oh my god, that is all cancelable material. It's oh so my bad. God. It's so bad if you rewatch it now. But that was the coolest thing for ten year old SB3 was that was that VHS because you had the unedited state of the dress you had all the boobs getting shot. i was like oh my god what is going my mom bought me this <laughs> yep all right so uh other super chats by the way we got another one black phoenix brand that says random thought jay white juice robinson and the guns guns and bullets pew pew uh let's see bill says well let me apologize to you after her last few matches uh, my mind had been changed on Riho. She is awesome, and this match humped. See you in London. I won't be making it to London. I just had this conversation with my wife, and then, and this was before I had a water heater go out, which, uh, you know, maybe if I could have, like, scraped together a few thousand dollars, I probably could have pulled it off. Um, but as far as that's concerned now, zero chance. I will be at All Out in the, uh, at the United Center. I'll be at Double or Nothing. I'll be at Forbidden Door. Um, so about Canada is the furthest you're going to catch me for wrestling this year. Um, and uh, I'll probably also be making it out to some WWE shows this year uh, as long as they don't conflict with uh, recitals. So we shall see. But again, not leaving the country. Um, so Or at least the continental uh, United States. <laughs> so... That's that's kind of that. Uh, let's see what we got here. We got another one from today. Tony P. Tony P. said, I said the guns winning was the right move, and they slowly won me over. Last night, many men and women were won over. Also, did you give uh, Reg a reason to block you, Will? LOL. Also, you think licensed music can help other people and uh, have word on Wardlow? Okay, so you're asking what the deal with Wardlow is. He's just off TV right now until they decide to bring him back uh, to um, pick up the Hobbs angle again. Um, as far as licensed music and helping other people, of course, I think that there is nothing better than a song people recognize. I think that that has a greater effect. Now, granted, the ideal scenario is that you get your fans to recognize a song that's made in-house. Seth Rollins has that going, for example. Uh, who else has that? Sorry if you hear the shuffling behind me there. It's, no it's happening. But uh, Adam Cole. Adam Cole has the dream scenario of you not only had a song that people now recognize, but they sing along with it. People know the lyrics. Uh, you own it as a company. Because like Cody even... You run into the issue that Cody owns his music, so even if uh, he leaves WWE, he's taking that music with him, so nobody else has that. By the way, people uh, have brought up... Britt Baker owns her music, by the way, so if she were to ever depart, she is able to take Epic with her. Um, 
So that is a song that was made by Downstate for her that she can take. Although they ran into the issue with the Seinfeld sample, the the Doctor Will See You Now, um, being from Seinfeld. And so when when Dynamite first started, they had to alter the pitch on it. So now that's why it's the, the doctor will see you now. Yeah, <laughs> which it used to be the, the higher pitched version, um, which I tweeted about that. Didn't know the answer. Had the answer DM to me. And I was like, okay, that makes perfect sense, actually. So uh, I knew, so I got all of that. But uh, licensed music, I think, anything you can get people to instantly recognize, I think is always a good thing. And like I said, ideally you want it to be your own in-house music, but if you can pay for it. The problem with paying for music is that you have to make sure you get it in perpetuity um, and you have all rights to it because there's certain times where AEW's run into issues. Jungle Boy's music, for example, is not music they can use on social media. Uh, So you'll never see Jungle Boy's entrance on their Twitter and it's always cut off on YouTube. And when he wrestles on Darker Elevation, it's a cover version of, uh, of Tarzan Boy, not the actual song. And Although that cover version's not bad. I've always said, like, just use it. People don't know the difference sometimes. I've been at no. Dark where the, he's come out with the cover version. People have been singing along, and I'm like, they don't even know that's Mikey Ruckus's voice that they're uh, singing along <laughs> with singing Tarzan Boy and not the actual song. Uh, I think they could get away with just using the cover version. Nobody would ever know the difference, and then you have it forever. But obviously the real music is is the better thing. And that's Uh, enhanced Jungle Boy and his connection with the fans, like mm -hmm. singing that song or, you know, doing the cover for it. And, you know, someone that was already really over, and I feel like it's gone to, like, the next level with licensed song is Orange Cassidy with Jane. I feel like Jane has... It's so good. It is. It is so good. So good. I have I have, I have non wrestling fans who ask me about Orange Cassidy just because he comes out to Jane. It's it works for him. It has made him. It has taken him next level. I thought Where's My Mind is good, but I feel like the intro to Jane has done so much to enhance his presentation. It works out so well. But that's another one they can't use, by the way. And they had to edit out of an episode of uh dark elevation one time because he came out to jane for the pop because it it worked for the crowd and then they replaced it with the best friends theme but the commentary is still talking about it like it's jane and so (laughs) if you watch that episode of dark elevation you're hearing jane play or you're hearing the best friends theme play and you're hearing daddy magic go oh i love this song you're like no you don't you don't care that much about Bow with the bow with the bow with the best friends. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's actually really great. I would have just cut the commentary altogether, but it's actually just as funny to hear the best friends theme playing and hearing Paul White and Matt Menard going gaga over it. Uh, let's see. Autoclave. I appreciate you, Autoclave. Uh, he says, just chipping in towards the water heater fund. Sorry for the stress and the unplanned expense. Hey, thank you. Honestly, like, this is just the, the drawback of home ownership because I asked my plumber, this is the fifth water issue we've had in the last, like, two years. And I asked my plumber if they were related, and he goes, not really. You're just having, like, really bad luck. Like, the last one was a frozen pipes issue, which was completely unrelated to the water heater. And the one before that was just the pipe that came, uh, that had the solder on it just came loose. 
And the one before that was, uh, I think it was just another thing where uh, the pipe just over time eroded. And it's just an unfortunate set of issues that have all been happening all around the same time. And it sucks. And I hate it. Uh, Matt says, oh, hey, it's Will Washington from the Grapsity podcast. Uh, that happened, by the way. Shout out to my plumbing service for when I called and I gave my name and they literally was like, wait, from Grapsity? And I went, like, that, that was a moment that I was pissed off calling and I do not want to call plumbing services late at night. But when he said that, that, uh, he's the pain. <laughs> it did. It it very much eased the pain. Shout out Joe, the guy from uh, the dispatch guy on the phone. Uh, if you're watching, that actually really made my night to hear that. It always throws me off when somebody stops me in a non wrestling setting to ask about my wrestling stuff. It's happened a lot these last two years, but it it's always great, um, and I always appreciate everybody who does it. And I always love talking to new people. So never hesitate if you see me out in public. Just say hi um, because I promise I will never big league anybody in that sense because I'm not that. I'm just Will Washington, guy from Aurora, Colorado, who talks about pro wrestling. Um, so uh, let's see. Armada says, hey, Will, last Grapsity, you mentioned having some info slash scoop of some kind that you were holding on to. Sorry, I couldn't find the exact quote. Do you remember what it was and if it's something you can talk about now or if it's already happened? Um, I think it might have been FTR I was talking about. <laughs> and so um, I think I was just saying that I couldn't talk about that yet. Uh, let me think about this. Was it FTR? Yes. Okay. Uh, there's no, I cannot. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but <laughs> uh, we'll talk later. That's. <laughs> Uh, look, wrestling is a lot of fun. We got another one here. Van Twinblade oh, yeah. said, how many men will like this video? Well, hey, if you're here, leave us a thumbs up. Um, love to see those thumbs up. Um, Puckish Rogue says, um, uh, or is that, yeah, that's Rogue. Um, it says, I need someone to help TK with his anxiety. I swear he didn't blink for like three quarters of that announcement. Thanks for the coverage and all you guys do. Like, he's not really like a TV guy, and he knows that. Uh, but he knows also what announcements benefit from him making them versus anybody else. And so um, I get what that was. Uh, Orion Ben says, for the Will Cave Restoration Fund, welcome SP3. I'm a New Yorker riding high from last night. My team's won, but White plus Wembley put me, uh, the White plus Wembley news put me to the moon. Uh, got another one here. This one is from uh, Russell Park. It says, AEW needs Punk and Goldberg to sell out Wembley. Goldberg? I disagree <laughs> on Goldberg. And. I believe that, like, I know, I know that there were plans to get Punk back. Like, there were reconciliation plans before that Instagram post. Um, And that getting there is, they were close. And I don't know how much that set them back. 
but I would love to. I would love for it to have not been too much. That's that much I, I I'm hoping for. That I would like to see Punk back in the United Center. He's never wrestled in the United Center. Yeah, he was supposed to a year ago, and that didn't get to happen due to injury. I would like to see CM Punk wrestle in the United Center. It needs to happen. I'm hoping that it happens because, like I said, those three matches that they could possibly do at All Out, that's, that's, those are your headliners right there. CM Punk finally wrestling at the United Center, something that he's always wanted to do. You know, uh, Rosemont, Allstate always was kind of his home at uh, WWE, but United Center, is, if AEW, is kind of associated with CM Punk due to the first day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes, I would hate to see them run two shows at the United Center that don't involve CM Punk. That would be, to me, unfortunate. Um, Let's see, we got uh, this one from Robert Diaz de Leon that says, Are we all rooting for a Bullet Club faction war that involves the elite? Thanks in helping us 9to5ers get through the day. Uh, Guys, um, do you know how weird it is to even think about the idea the idea that the elite in the Bullet Club exists in the same company right now and they're not involved in each other. Like, thinking about the idea that there is a company called All Elite Wrestling that is obviously named after a faction called The Elite, which was a faction that was born as a subgroup of the <laughs> Bullet Club. And so, therefore, the Bullet Club is responsible for the creation of AEW. And... Yeah. Now Bullet Club is represented in AEW, a company that's like built on the foundation of the Bullet Club. It's weird. It doesn't. It, that shouldn't be. And we never really got it. That's the whole thing. As a, as a longtime New Japan fan, and like my love of New Japan really kind of coming to like its peak during that whole Silver War era of Cody and Kenny fighting over the love of their children, Nick and Matt, the Young Bucks. And I was there in New Orleans for the first time, Cody versus Kenny. I was there for the second time, Cody versus Kenny. Go back and watch that show, the G1 special. I'm in the front row. Yeah, in San Francisco, yeah. I'm in the front row, and I'm usually I'm literally yelling at Cody, and Cody was about to say something to me, and C- Kenny grabs him and throws him back into the ring. Oh, that's great! <laughs> so like that's my love, and we never really got it to you know hit its peaks. We got that that feud with Kenny and Cody. We got the Golden Lovers versus the Young Bucks, uh, you know, uh, at Strong Style. 
that we got all these great moments, but we never fully got a full-on elite versus bullet club because you know they were on their way out and making all elite wrestling. So it's for AEW to have it, and we know, like I said before, we know how much Tony loves the bullet club. This man was wearing a bullet club shirt at all in. So this is something that you know he is just loving the fact that he now has the 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 two of the greatest leaders of the bullet club with switchblade Jay White and Kenny Omega under his under his roof right now. This is something that he probably always dreamt of. <laughs> yeah, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. Ryan Lambert says the real BCC last night brewed Christian Cage. Uh, Russell Park says um, huge lack of representation on AEW posters. Why? Um, so specifically talking about the um, the All In poster, which only um, as far as Black wrestlers are concerned, features Jade Cargill, and then in the bottom right corner, you have uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Um, that's a design question. Uh, I don't know as far as that's concerned. It's, yeah, I don't know uh, why that would be. Um, there's a couple of people I would feature there uh, because that concerns me that they're not considered to be at the show because I, I would definitely be considering TNT champion powerhouse Hobbs. I would be considering Swerve Strickland. I would be considering Keith Lee, who made a return uh, to Dynamite this week with a beard. I said last week that I wanted to see Keith Lee with a beard. I say, you know, I don't mind the grays. I actually think that the grays make him look distinguished. Keep the grays up. But somebody tweeted, because I said the beard makes him look more distinguished. I think when he showed up with like the short gray hair and no beard, that looked a little funny. Don't do that again. Keith, always keep a beard. Um... My, my dad always had a saying that um, black men should always have some form of facial hair. And so I've always like uh, always thought about that. My dad is also a big advocate for he was like, you know what? That last year, Obama should have grown a beard. He just should have. He should have just had a beard that last year. Just as, I don't give a fuck beard uh, for the last year of his presidency. That was my dad. Every single time we talked about him and every time he saw him in 2016 without a beard, he's like, missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that is so what a, what, a, what a black father would say <laughs> that's my dad that's how he was and that's what he wanted to see and so with keith lee like i'm the same way i'm like nah i want to see a beard on that guy at all times but somebody said go full rick ross shaved head and beard would make keith lee look even more badass and i agree shaved head and beard i think would be a dope look for Keith Lee, and I would like to see that. But the the beard completed the look completely because he he looked like a muscled black Sean Connery. That's yes, what, he he completely. Yes. I was just like, oh, I love this. And Jericho sold him so well in that segment as well. So mm-hmm. it was it was just like thumbs up for that return of Keith Lee. Yes, um, but yeah, he's somebody I'd like to see on the posters, uh, and yeah, so that's. That's what I would like to see. Justify Hero says, got spoilers from a place least expected. Got an email from AEW with new merch early Wednesday. Decided to check it out and saw Switchblade and London shirts. Ooh. Uh, I did not see that. And I never opened those. So Um, Anime Utaku says, uh, I'm Scottish and all in is the day before my birthday. So I really hope I can make it. Or they do a dynamite or house rules in Glasgow. Um, 
That'd be cool. I mean, I yeah. imagine they'll do something around it, but we'll we'll find out. Brent Lockman says, between all the shows this summer, we are totally getting Omega Okada 5 outside Japan. Keep up the awesome. Uh, I mean, that's SP3 and Phil Lindsay are pretty much uh, all behind that. Tom LaValle says, Pack, Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr., Nick Aldis, Kip, Joe Hendry? Maybe. I mean- uh, hey, I mean, if they're working with Impact again, I guess you can you could throw in Joe Hendry on that. But he's doing good work over in Impact Wrestling, getting them attention. That's why he's the digital media champion, because all his social media stuff just works. Yeah. Uh, Dash says, I want Golden Lovers versus Punk and Osprey at All In. All right, now you're just, like, over fantasy booking. <laughs> That's fantasy booking. <laughs> Like, what is what is the connection between Punk and Osprey? <laughs> uh, Anime Otaku Two says, "I want to see the Oscar EO promo, but it's Soraya and Jamie being extremely English." I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> like just throwing stereotypes at each other. They're just like righto. Like what happens here? <laughs> yeah. I apologize to every uh, UK viewer, by the way, because I know a few of you in the chat. Hey, Dave. Hey, Redmond. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Dave Dante151 says, for Forbidden Door 2, could you see a possible matchup between Jay White and Juice Robinson versus Aussie Open versus Lucha Bros for the ROH Tag Team titles or something along those lines? Uh, I imagine Jay White at Forbidden Door has to be in some kind of singles match. I yeah. think that the best story you can tell with Jay White is him now being on the other side of the Forbidden Door. That now he's no longer representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's representing AEW against New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's a story there. There's excellent stories there you can tell. And I think he needs to be on the AEW side. And please, Jay, in a singles needs- match. You need to give him the opportunity to cut the promo that he did at Dominion 2022, where he talks about how him beating Kenny Omega for the United States Championship is the reason why Kenny left New Japan and created AEW. He is the catalyst. He is the reason why there is an AEW. I need him to cut that promo. And then he is like the perfect guy to put in the top position at Forbidden Door because he's like, yeah, you you guys wanted to get me out. You put me in two loser leaves town matches is now i'm running things over at aew and we're gonna take new japan down yeah i mean there's a lot they can do hell i still want to see um the the thinking about the aew uh what was i saying that i don't even remember my point sorry i lost my train of thought but uh (laughs) there there's a lot of places they can go with that oh that's what i was gonna say look Adam Cole's last match before injury was with Jay White. I actually thought that's where they were going initially. I thought that, yeah, yeah, they don't have to go Jericho. Adam Cole versus Jay White is a great place to start. And they didn't go there, but that's where I would have gone. Because All Access, when they show when Adam Cole gets injured, they always show the spot where Jay gives him the, the Uranagi. 
and they said that's where he got injured. So if they want to bring, you know, all access stuff into AEW, just show the clip and be like, this is where I got injured. So I have an issue with Jay White. And he's the one that opened the forbidden door for Jay White to be here in 2022. So there is a lot of storyline right there. And then that also that promo going back to Dominion, he said there would be no Adam Cole, baby. He'd be somewhere rotten away if it wasn't for me creating AEW. So there's a lot of stuff. Him and Kenny have never had a rematch after the U.S. championship uh, feud. He called out uh, CM Punk. He's called out Brian Danielson. Switchblade Jay White. This is just it. Just so many dream matches for me with this roster that he has right now. Yeah. Uh, I love me some Sofa says, after seeing all the ROH TK greater than AEW TK tweets, AEW TK said yesterday, and I took that personally. Uh, So... That's that's a good one. And I think we might be all caught up. I want to make sure I don't miss anybody's super chats uh, because I... Oh, and uh, shout out Monica, uh, who says, Hey, guys, you're doing great. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you. And uh, that... Nope. Van Twinblade says, It's okay, Will. We all know Nick Wayne and Billy Starks are Swerve's new henchmen. He just has to wait for Nick to turn 18. Um, there's, there's stuff around, not that specifically, but, um, suppose there'll be like reportable stuff around Nick Wayne and when he's coming into AEW. Uh, I will say that it is this year, um, that he will be on AEW TV. Um, and it's just a matter of, uh, time. He turns 18 this year and, uh, I know that Tony's, like ready for Nick Wayne as a part of AEW TV. So it's just a matter of time. I think his birthday is what, July 10th, I want to say? Yeah, I believe, I believe it's in July for sure. Yeah, it's in the yeah. summer. Yeah, that's right, because he's just younger than my first podcast, which was June 18th, 2005, and he's born July 10th, 2005. Literally, I had already done three episodes of RBR before – uh Nick Wayne was born <laughs> before Nick Wayne was born <laughs> the fact that he comes out to uh uh what you know about that in GCW and that song came out before he was born like that just made me feel so old mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Corey M says after Mania and Raw last night was a breath of fresh air who would have thought that you could actually wrestle on a wrestling show and Coffee Black says, were there timing issues last night? Because I felt like that title celebration got cut off quick. There always is. Yeah. Uh, them, I mean, look at Keith Lee and Swerve when they won the tag team titles. Basically, there's confetti, and they grab the belts, and they say, all right, folks, we'll see you next time. Bye. And that was it. Uh, so I know a lot of times, and I think it's harder with all access. Tony's talked about this before, but I did some digging and I know that there's certain times that Tony can request an extra minute from TBS. Uh, usually can make a phone call and get it in while the sh- like if he feels the show's running behind, get himself that extra minute. Um, and uh oh, those fans have just turned on. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but. Uh, I know he can get himself that extra minute. 
but it's a lot tougher when he's got all access on, and that is AEW original programming. So, Caden uh, says, Dynamite After Mania was so fun. Triple H booked well. <laughs> Don't you? Uh, Brie Wu says, Jay's first match should be Eddie Kingston. And Reggie Simmons says, I love it how AEW always gives me a reason to fall in love with professional wrestling over and over again. Always good to see SP3 in the house. So it's great to have SP3 in the house. This ain't the second time I've asked SP3. This was just the second time he was available because uh, he's always busy on Thursdays. So I appreciate SP3 for being available. However, we are going to get into the results of Dynamite very quickly because lots happened on this show. Uh, the show opened up with already in the ring, Juice Robinson. Yes. And out comes Ricky Starks. And before the match can even get going, Jay White's music hit. And my brain went, should have known. That was one I didn't have. <laughs> um, my, uh, Because literally, if you go back to podcasts I was on as recently as Sunday, and people were asking what I thought was going to happen with Jay White, I said, I think he's WWE bound. Um, and WWE thought he was WWE bound. Yes. And uh, or at least people in WWE thought he was WWE bound. Um, and, you know, Sean has a new report up as far as he's uh, concerned. And uh, he, he also has a report up about Brian Cage, who is currently working without a contract, but it's sounding like uh, they're inching toward a deal. I know WWE has people interested in Brian Cage, but as far as WWE is concerned, um, I know there's all these rumors of a hiring freeze. It's, those are words people keep using. Um, and the reason that we haven't reported a hiring freeze is because a hiring freeze has not been proven. It's just, um, as Sean likes to say, it's not that they, they're not hiring people. It's that they haven't. And so at least the signs are there if something is up that they, they haven't signed anyone uh, and no one knew his debut since, what, Chelsea Green? Uh, yeah. And so... And she was signed months before that. Before yeah. she even deb- debuted. Since Vince has been back, no one knew has been signed. And so there is a lot of question around what does this mean? And did, did that play an effect in them essentially not getting Switchblade Jay White? I tweeted last night as I sat there thinking that I think Switchblade's a better pick, I mean, a better fit for AEW. I do. He has so much history with everybody in AEW. But I was curious, what does a new hire look like under Hunter's regime? And my reason for tweeting that was that we we never saw that. Like, Hunter's been in charge eight months, but everybody he signed was a re-sign. It's somebody who had already been in the company, already had an established presence in an established presence in WWE's ecosystem, but he had not brought anybody new in. We had not seen what it looked like for Hunter to bring in somebody who was uh, who already had an established presence outside of WWE, but had zero established presence inside of it. And I was curious what that looked like. I really wanted to see what that looked like. And uh, like, does he bring him in? With, like, we know what that looks like in AEW. That Tony Khan signing Jay White means that Jay White's going to come in with his theme music in tow. Jay White comes in with his name in tow. Jay White comes in with all of his backstories in tow. He literally, the question Renee Paquette asked him is, are you still leader of the Bullet Club? Jay White comes in with all of his history in tow. Nothing's missing. Nothing's rebooted. He is Jay White. It's basically he just picks up where he left off. We know what that's like when Tony Khan signs somebody. But when WWE were to sign Jay White, 
I was curious what that looked like. Um, does do they mention anything Bullet Club wise? Because like they have with AJ Styles and all of that, but uh, is that something that they would run off of now, or would they try something new with him? I don't know. Uh, new music, obviously. WWE is going to yeah. want to own the theme, or but they let Cody come in with the theme. So what does that look like under the new regime? Uh, new name? I don't know. Would Vince has definitely had a thing for renaming people. And so I was curious what this looks like under Triple H. And it doesn't look like we're going to see him hire anybody. Um, there's, you know, there's there's been a number of stories now lately where it's been reported by numerous people. WWE is confident they can sign X. And... Yeah. A number of those have since not worked out. Yeah, um, I was very interested in it. I, I think I put it out when the first report came out that Jay White's contract was expire, expiring. Was Jay White is kind of like a guy that if you if you look at, at Triple H's WWE, he would just fit in so well, in my opinion, because he's got the mic skills, he's got the character work, he's got that physique, which he looked amazing on uh, on on Dynamite last night. He's got, you know, history with different people, whether it's, you know, they bring him in and he recruits, uh, you know, Gallows and Anderson, because those guys are getting paid to sit and do nothing until AJ Styles come back. And, you know, you have the ready-made feud there between the former Bullet Club members. The only reason that he really got into the New Japan Dojo is his history with Finn Balor and Finn Balor discovering him on the UK independent scene. There's a story there for them to tell. There was so many different things, and he could come in, and this can be Triple H's version of the AJ Styles push, because the AJ Styles push happened under the Vince McMahon regime. So if there was anybody ready-made to come from New Japan at a top position and come into WWE and prove himself to Triple H, and Triple H giving him the ball in a similar fashion that Vince gave AJ Styles, I thought Jay White kind of spelled itself out and i was like you i was like yeah it looks like he's going there and all the reports said that wwe wanted him the the whole issue i have coming off today on social media is some of these wwe fans that are like a, a guy who gets dumped by their girlfriend and they were about to you know get on one knee and ask this girl to get married and then the girl dumps him and they're like oh i was i was gonna break up with her anyway oh uh, you know you know, i don't even care about that girl that's how some wwe fans are kind of acting like they like oh the wwe don't don't care that they didn't get jay white they didn't want jay white yes they did everything that we have heard has said that they wanted jay white and jay white made the best decision for him whether you agree with that decision or not I think that he made the best decision because he watched everything play out and Tony brought him in at the perfect time because so many people were talking about before WrestleMania that, oh, Jay White coming on the Monday, the, the Raw after Mania. So to have him on the Wednesday after the Raw after WrestleMania, the timing couldn't be any better to bring in Jay White into AEW. Yeah, I, uh, I've i seen a lot of uh, cope around this and that's... Um... And like I said, I'm, I'm, look, you guys hear me. I, I know my WWE history. I've been a WWE fan a long yes. time. I don't care about 
any of this in terms of I just like shows that I I like, right? Um, and I hope people gathered that knowing that for those who haven't been familiar with me long enough and only know me as the guy who hosts Day After Dynamite when I hosted the WrestleMania post shows this year and I gave a glowingly positive review WrestleMania night one. And uh, again, there's no promotion. I Because of the fact that AEW's only existed four years, there is no promotion I know better than 35 years of WWE in my life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Uh, but my thing here is, I don't know what happened there. But I do know that WWE was interested. I do know that they uh, they thought that they could get him like that. Uh, but I also know that they're not hiring anybody. They ha- they haven't. I don't know why they're not, but they haven't hired anybody. Now, they could be trying to uh, uh, not mess with uh, expenditures while in the process of a sale of the company. That's very well possible. There's a lot of reasons that could be happening. But... Uh, as far as the why, I don't know why they're not signing anybody. That said, I know people that were in talks with WWE that got ghosted. Uh, that, you know, at the end of the year, that last year, there was talks of them possibly joining WWE and all of a sudden, not happening now. And so, I it, it could be very well a case of there's certain people who wanted Jay White. And Jay White, sim- uh, that, there are certain people there that wanted Jay White, but the overall company was not able to close on the deal. And in not being able to do so, Tony moved in and got it done quicker. And uh, it, it is what it is. But this thing right now of trying to downplay Jay White, of trying to downplay that there was interest in Jay White, to try and downplay that... Uh, in any of that took place. Look, at the end of the day, Jay White is an asset wherever he was going to go. And he would have been a tremendous asset to WWE. He is a tremendous asset to AEW. That's it. Like, yeah. to, to then look at it and go, well, you know, who the hell wanted Jay White? Like, obviously, he didn't want to develop character. Obviously, he didn't want to actually, you know, he ran away from the grind. Like, no, that's not what it is. It is that we are in a competitive market for the first time in a long time that, look, I went through years without that existing. And so to know that when a free... Look, this is... Free agency is so fun in professional wrestling right yeah. now. To know that when a wrestler hits free agency, there's excitement around it because it's like, oh, what happens when this guy hits free agency? What happens when Kevin Owens hits free agency? Is he going to jump to AEW? Oh, he didn't even hit free agency. That guy resigned. So did Sami Zayn. Um, what happened when Cody Rhodes hit free agency? That guy jumped ship. Brian yeah. Cage is hitting free agency right now. Is he going to stay? Sounded like he's staying. FTR, are they going to get the free agency? Sounds like they never did. And they just signed. Um, what's going to happen? With Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. Everybody was excited about that, too. So, yeah. like, yeah. No, this is an exciting time. I don't know how people don't love this. I don't know how people don't love the idea of free agents doing their damn thing. That Adam Cole jumped ship. That Brian Danielson jumped ship. Cody Rhodes jumped ship. This is cool. 
This is what I grew up with. This is wrestling. This is how it's supposed to be. Or you think such and such is going to jump ship, and they can work an angle. There's never been a time. It's been a very long time since you've been able to successfully work angles around the free agency, and the fans have actual suspense over the idea that FTR could lose and they could jump ship. Yeah. That couldn't happen before because, what, are they going to jump to TNA in 2006? No. Um, that's all, not going to happen. The only people who did that was, what, Kurt Angle and Christian Cage? Was people they, on there? Christian Cage, Christian Cage was really, like, the only one who, yeah. who successfully made the decision of, my contract's up, I'm leaving. Kurt Angle was given an ultimatum. And exactly. he and he left, and then everybody else was just like released in signature pharmacy, um, shit. <laughs> but like that wasn't. But uh, like we were talking but, about earlier with our childhood, like the whole Monday Night War started with Lex Luger jumping well, shit. So like, we, yeah. He was on a house show for WWF over the weekend, and then shows up in Minas in Minneapolis at the Mall of America on the first segment of, of Monday Night Nitro. And I just want to make this clear. Uh, I I know you said you know you know everything about wwe over your lifetime wwe i'm gonna make this clear because i i mentioned this and i teased this earlier with jared is here wwe is the reason why i could put diapers on my kids because my wife works there so i love wwe and i want wwe to be successful the thing that i am talking about is the coping mechanism in professional wrestling in general it's just very weird and no one has this type of coping mechanism in anything else that i love i love nba i love star wars there's a lot of weird fans in both of those things but (laughs) in wrestling the coping mechanism and the revisionist history it can happen like this like i even saw phil talking about the revisionist history of brian danielson brian danielson is my all-time favorite wrestler but the people that believe that believe that the whole him versus authority and him making his dream come true at wrestlemania 30 is wwe's uh you know whole plan all along WWE pulled the okie doke on y'all. They I mean, no, no. <laughs> I mean, look, honestly, the, no. What happened with Brian Danielson at WrestleMania 30 was the equivalent of being on roller skates, slipping downstairs, bouncing on your head multiple times, but then you just happened to. Uh, slip upward and get into this really awesome grind and then a backflip and then land on your feet and everybody's like wow that was so great what you did there and you're like yep that was what i intended to do but then you're like spine is broken in the process uh that was what happened with brian danielson (laughs) that um they slipped and fell into what ended up being an awesome angle that they had no intention of running with. Brian has said multiple times that the gear he wore at WrestleMania 30 was his Wyatt family gear. There's a promo that happened to air on SmackDown in a time period where nobody was watching SmackDown in 2014 that Brian actually cut on the fans telling them that they were the problem. Like, he fully turned heel. And then uh, they were like, actually, that promo never happened. Uh, He was pulling the wool over the Wyatt family's eyes. No, he wasn't. He, like, legitimately joined. You just change your mind on the Monday right after that. You yeah, just they, <laughs> yeah, you can see where the shift happened, but he was originally going to be a member of that. So I just say all this to say that free agency's fun, and it's always great to see when somebody ends up a free agent, where are they going to go? Where could they end up? What's next? And this is the fun of professional wrestling. Now, the the hard thing is, Nobody has an infinite amount of TV time 
Nobody has an infinite amount of roster spots. At some point, we're going to have to start seeing people like leave. And because all we keep seeing are signings. But at some point, somebody's got to go somewhere. And yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we saw a trios match, the return of Sue. Uh, a trios title match. We saw the best friends challenging House of Black. Um, House of Black is really coming together as champions. I think that their uh, act looks and feels really good. And this was the um, this was a good title defense for them. Uh, I knew best friends weren't going to win. I kind of hate that because, like, God, how many times they've definitely had the most trios title shots, and uh, they've also had a good number of tag title shots. Whatever it takes, they're just not winners, uh, and that's a shame. But also, House of Black, they're the trio's champs. They need to continue to establish dominance, and I was glad to see them work here and work well. I like Buddy getting the win here because he could feel like right now, especially after you know the first couple of matches where I thought at Revolution, Brody King was the MVP of that match against the Elite. He just looked like an absolute monster. You know that Malachi Black is the leader. Buddy Matthews can kind of get lost in the shuffle out of those three. So I like the fact they gave him a victory here. His exchange with Orange Cassidy was tremendous. I want to see that as an international championship match up because still not used to that name by the way every time you say it i'm like what is there they're about to say intercontinental and they say international i'm like oh yeah that's right it it literally took me like a week to get in the flow of it because i literally like when i'm doing the results on the true hill heat twitter i was about to watch uh, put all atlantic championship but i had to go back so i'm trying to get used to it i i really want to see them go at it one-on-one but i agree with you i don't think this was the right I i don't really think it was the right time to do best friends versus orange and orange cassidy against them because Mm -hmm. they feel like a one of the more prominent trios that i would have liked them to maybe have it on a bigger stage maybe a pay-per-view or something like that but uh, i thought the match was a lot of fun yeah very much uh let's see we got uh what else happened jamie hater versus riho (sighs) smoked this shit yes this look we've seen these two face each other two other times Smoked it every time. And, uh, God, Jamie gives Riho so much in, in the terms of selling for Riho's offense. Riho, I mean, Jamie dives into shit. She makes Riho's everything look amazing. Uh, and then Riho, on the other hand, is just such a ragdoll for Jamie Hayter's um, explosive offense and hard-hitting offense that she makes Jamie Hayter look so rough. And the two of them together make magic. This was the third time they faced each other. Jamie Hayter lost the first time, and Riho lost the second one. This was the third, the rubber match. Jamie Hayter, the AEW Women's World Champion, successfully defended her title. What did you think of this match? I thought this was great. It was a fabulous encounter. And like you said, they just make like perfect opponents for enough for each other. I love how Jamie Hayter takes the bump on the uh the crossbody off the top ropes to the floor. I love it every time they face each other. So I was just waiting for that moment <laughs> when they did it. I didn't like the the, the camera, how the camera was angled because I wanted a more of a wide shot so you could see how JB takes that bump because it's always great. But she takes her offense so well, it makes 
it makes Riho feel like a legitimate threat to ending her title reign. And through three championship defenses and the eliminator matchup with Emi Sakura, I, I, I will say here, Jamie Hayter is having the greatest AEW Women's World Championship reign, in my opinion. I think Sheeta and Baker are the only ones that you can you can make an argument for. I thought Tony Storms was good, but it just isn't at this level where you have someone. I know I've heard you say it before. That organic groundswell was for Jamie Hayter, combined with her work in the ring. The match with Sheeta, one of the best women's matches that's ever been on AEW Dynamite. This match was great. The the triple threat at Revolution was pretty good. It can get lost in the shuffle with all the great matches that was on that show but that was good so i think she's having the greatest reign of any aew women's world champion ever bold statement but i'm inclined to agree with that i love Sheeta's reign but of course it didn't have the the there's so much of the roster that was injured and yeah. uh on top of that there was no crowd and so i never want to look back at that time period anyway but uh jamie haters having it it's it's a good reign um, we saw a segment with the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society bringing out the Acclaimed. Um, the Acclaimed cut their rap on them, and uh, basically we just kind of kicked the can down the road on uh, this moving forward at all. There wasn't much to this. But a segment that there was a lot to was Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF Day, his hometown of Long Island, UBS Arena. Uh, this is MJF's arena. Yes. I'm just going to say that straight up. This arena belongs to him. AEW's run this arena now three times. All three times have revolved around MJF being a babyface in a place where he normally, I mean, in scenarios where he normally isn't. WWE's only run this arena once. This arena belongs to MJF. Like when MJF, when WWE returned to Long Island the next time, they went to Nassau. Um, they just decided to stick with Nassau Coliseum. They've only run UBS Arena once. Meanwhile, this has become MJF's building, and it looks and sounds great every time. This man sang. <laughs> he sang Pennies from Heaven <laughs> and sung it fucking well. Uh, even the missteps in the song were endearing and it all came off so well i can't believe this guy is as talented as he is and went out there live audience big band behind him and sang for that crowd it did it so well i want to i want to stop the whole argument about mjf being one-dimensional this man is not one-dimensional at all he is one of the most fleshed out characters ever and in a building where he's always the biggest baby face. He once again gives us a Heath Ledger, tell me how I got these scars promo about Mrs. Benedict. He has so <laughs> many origin stories. And he got the crowd against Mrs. Benedict. I thought that was like I agree with Brent Lockman here indeed. though. Indeed. I think I think MJF does need to release an album. Um I agree with that. Uh and this was great. He he uh he had the guy um what what was his official title? 
he was a uh, the supervisor. The supervisor, yeah. And the crowd chanted lower taxes at him <laughs> and <laughs> booed him out of the building. And I love MJF improv. You know it was total improv. Oh, yeah. Like, right, I'm getting the key to the city. Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, no, Max was very good here. His promo about, um, yeah, his teacher and all of that was very good. He, of course, talked about the pillar some more, took his normal shots, and then made his way back up the ramp to sing again. But this time, one of the bandmates um, crashed the cymbal behind MJF's head, revealed to be Jungle Boy. Crowd booed. They brawled. uh, And... Then Sammy Guevara comes out, picks up the title, makes his way down to the ring for his match with Commander. How did you feel about this match? I I wanted to like this match. I thought the match in a vacuum, it's fun. But I see where people have told me before, people that are AAA fans have told me that Commander is more in like multi-man matches or tag team matches. And I feel like he he's still green when it comes to a singles match, especially on TV, because he felt like, you know, the kid that you're playing in Street Fighter and he has that one really good move and he keeps doing it. He keeps button smashing and he keeps doing that one move or he's steward from Mad TV. Look what I can do. Look what I could do. And it's the same thing every single time. Like the number of walk rope, uh, rope walk shooting star presses that I saw in this match, I was like. Come on, dude. You gotta you you just had, in my opinion, a five-star match with Vakingo at Supercard of Honor. Like I was expecting a little bit more here. It's a different type of guy. You're not gonna have that lucha libre type of matchup that you had with Vakingo at, at Supercard of Honor, but I was just I just wanted more from this match than what we got. Yeah. Um I like the match. Uh I agree with what Reg said that. Uh, the ending spot, which was supposed to be Commander running across the ropes and getting cuttered, but obviously uh, Sammy didn't get all of it, would have looked better if he had grabbed him and Spanish flied him. Um, And and then he hit him with the GTH 1, 2, 3. And then Sammy cuts a promo on MJF. He talks about how he did the one thing MJF still doesn't do, and that's wrestle. Uh, We then saw... Hook take on and by the way that Sammy Guevara promo who way too long uh I had the wrap it up box I'm like come on buddy uh I don't know why you got so much time here but you are not saying anything um literally he should have just made his points and got out of there but he kept going and Sammy Guevara less with more or more with less is how you would do in these promos um, because right now he's doing less with more. Uh, so I felt like this one was better than his four pillars uh, promo because I felt the four pillars promo was a little bit too much inside baseball with, oh, I was supposed to be the bump guy for Chris Jericho. At least he had, you know, he used storylines to build he used his wrestling stuff against, yeah. against, you know, MJF. So I will say that was better than his four pillars promo, but I agree. It went on too long. Yeah. Uh, Hook versus Ethan Page was fairly short. Um, that basically it was only two minutes, and it was uh, Matt Hardy outsmarted. Um, because we saw on Rampage this week, Matt Hardy brought Ethan Page a contract 
that Ethan Page was signing. And as he signed it, Matt Hardy winked at the screen. What did that mean? Uh, and I think it made perfect sense that what it meant was that Ethan Page accidentally signed Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy out of their contracts with the firm. And that was why Matt Hardy cost Ethan Page the match. I feel like they probably should have shown that because uh, there's a lot of people who don't watch Rampage. And just for context, I think it would have helped to remind people that Ethan Page signed a contract that Matt Hardy brought him. Um, I know this because I watched Rampage this week. But if you didn't, uh, and I had no reason to watch Rampage because I was at Supercard of Honor. I actually watched Rampage like days later. I think I was just sitting around looking for something to watch and like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen Rampage yet. And so I threw that on and now I've seen it. But I didn't see it till I think like Tuesday. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club beat a couple of jobbers. And then Danielson talks about how he was at home with his family, who he loves very much. But he also loves the members of the Blackpool Combat Club and professional wrestling. And that Danielson sees a few professionals and he called them professionals. He even still took a shot at Wheeler Yuta. He's a little shithead. <laughs> he's, he's a little shithead. Uh, but he talked about how Moxley is a professional. Claudio is a professional. And Wheeler, even though he's a shithead, is a professional. And these are professionals. And the elite are amateurs. And the EVPs of this company are amateurs. And even the wrestling he watched this week, they he felt like they were the only professional wrestlers. And uh, Hangman came out and Danielson gouged his eye with a screwdriver. What did you think of this, SP3? I enjoyed it. I enjoy that the fact that Brian Danielson spent a few weeks at home with his wife and his two kids. And he went from beloved underdog babyface Brian Danielson to sadistic screw-driving heel. It just took a matter of a few weeks of him staying at home. And just how he was just like, nobody loves this man. Nobody loves Hangman Adam Page. And nobody came out. Nobody. He didn't have any. The bugs were there. Kenny was there, but he ain't come out. I guess he was too hurt from a beatdown last week. Like I, I just, I just love Brian Danielson here. The only thing I would have changed is I know that it was probably maybe you know him selling or him covering his face or he was bleeding. They should have had a close up of Page after the screwdriver spot. I feel like that was the only thing missing to complete this. But I love heel Brian Danielson. He is one of the greatest baby faces of all time. But somehow, some way, he's even better as a heel. Yes. Um, I mean, the thing about Danielson is he's he's been I mean, he's been coming out of the heel tunnel the whole time. It was even like what he said with Claudio last year, right? Where uh, he went to introduce who the mystery person for Door was. And then he said, I came out the bad guy tunnel. I'm not telling you guys, even though he's been acting like a baby face that whole time. Uh, but he's like still a little bit of a heel in his gut. And now he's the full on heel again. Um, but we got to the main event. Many men wish death upon me. No, okay, first off, Austin Gunn, you already got in trouble for the inward tweets back in 2013 that people dug up from your Twitter because yes. we knew the music you listened to, and we knew that Austin Gunn ain't the type to censor himself that we know. And you could see him mouthing 
the lyrics to Many Men. And as soon as it got to the N-word in there, I'm like, don't you do it, Austin. you already been in no. enough trouble. He edited himself well, even with lip singing. He edited he, himself. He caught himself, but I know Austin Gunn don't censor when he listens to that song on his own. He absolutely does not. But Austin Gunn and Colton Gunn came out to many men. <laughs> I mean, this has to be a one-time use. That song has got to be really expensive. There's no way in hell they got that for their regular entrance. But I know certain people are feeling a certain way about this. But I think that was supposed to be the point because you were supposed to hate the two of them. I thought it was actually a cool visual. The The camera panning around them was actually really good. And uh, they faced FTR for the AEW World Tag Team titles. This was a match built entirely around the fact that if FTR doesn't win the titles, they are out of AEW. And that was stressed at multiple points in the match, we saw a spot where uh, Austin Gunn hit an intentional low blow, and Dax or and um, there was about to be a disqualification, and uh, Cash Wheeler stopped the disqualification from happening. There were a whole lot of near falls, uh, one involving the belts being brought into the ring and referee Paul Turner removing one of the belts, and uh, but then the other one being slipped to Austin Gunn. He hits Dax Harwood from a dive. And a lot of people were sold that that was about to be the one, two, three that removed the FTR from AEW. But they got the win in the end, and we have brand new AEW Tag Team Champions, and Mark Briscoe came out to celebrate. SP3, how did you feel about this? I enjoyed it. I thought the the it felt like they were rushing a little bit towards the end, and I I looked I just looked at the time, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense why they're rushing because they only got like two more minutes of this show left. But I like the story, uh, the psychology of the guns trying to get disqualified because if FTR don't win the titles, they're gone from AEW. All they cared about was walking out with the titles and FTR leaving AEW, so they didn't care about taking the loss even if it was about disqualification i like how the referee came into play and they didn't make the referee look like an idiot the whole time and i like how the guns basically on the fly changed their strategy of trying to get disqualified when it seemed when the when uh, i think it's paul turner well was the referee for this matchup he kept stopping him and then you have cash stop him from bringing the ball they're like okay well we got to cheat to get the win then so we were going to distract the referee use the belt and that was a great near fall that really got the crowd even more into it and i like the finish with the with the double uh sunset flip is very much an old school finish this is something that you know me and you would see when we were kids how it, uh, how a tag team match would end with the baby faces coming out on top and winning the titles in that fashion so it made sense for fdr to get the wins here and it felt like a big victory and it felt like they were giving the fans what they wanted the baby face coming out on top and making them go home happy that's how you end the show Yes. FTR are two-time tag team champions. They won. People got what they wanted. People have been asking for this reign for the last year. I'm still of the belief that, and I said it at the time, if they had gotten the victory with all of the belts, Swerve in Our Glory doesn't happen. The Acclaimed in their babyface run doesn't happen. Yes. Maybe some people will say, well, at least the guns wouldn't have happened either. But honestly... (laughs) 
they got to shine here. This was uh, this was cool. I like the match. The ending did feel a little rushed. I thought the ending was weird. But hey, we got new tag team champions. But I have to say, the uh, anti-Bucks crowd is going to have something to say about, or nothing to say, I have a feeling, about the AEW ratings. We talked about the rating, of course, earlier in the show. Um, ratings are out. It did 877,000 uh, viewers with a .3 rating. That came in for number six. Uh, and... I think I have the actual chart pulled up. It was pretty much just beat by Vanderpump Rules and um, NBA games. So uh, that was pretty much it. And the quarters are also out. So I know people like to talk about the Bucks and how they will say, well, the Bucks don't draw because look at all their main events. And I've always pointed to, the fact that you can't just put that on the Bucks, the AEW main events in general tend to sink. Which very much happened here. <laughs> uh, the lowest rated segment in the entire show was the main event. And so if you're one to make the argument, I'd almost be curious to see, hear what Jim Cornette's breakdown of the ratings are. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, because when you get to that main event and you recognize that it still had, it, it's a pattern with pro wrestling shows um, yeah. that Raw was an exception this week. But for the most part, you see that the main event tends to, has been trailing off the last couple of years. And uh, you know what didn't? Kenny Omega versus uh, Vikingo. That yes. actually uh, had a very good, strong quarter. But yeah, the, uh, and, Total viewership, the lowest rated quarter was the Guns versus FTR in 18 to 49. The lowest was the segment right beforehand. So the quarter right beforehand, the second to last quarter. Uh, so there we have some ratings. Highest rated quarter uh, was, of course, the opening quarter. But beyond that, uh, the biggest increase was MJF Day. So again, slaughtering narratives that MJF isn't drawing. I don't yep. think like people like to point to kind of anecdotal stuff and go, "Well, this must mean such and such." You really have to see more of a trend before you can declare anything a draw or not a draw. I fully believe that, and so that's why I'm never willing to just point to any one thing and go, "Well, you see how it sank this time? That means it's not a draw." Or you see the one time it did do well and go, "Well, that means it's a big draw." Um. There's only a couple things that are like really consistent there, and uh, it's really just a handful of things where you can can call that. But uh, either way, that's AEW Dynamite. We'll read these last few super chats. Uh, Bugaboo Jones says, uh, "Triple L tomorrow." Will you going? Yes, I am going. Actually, um, my wife and I and my uh, two friends are all going to Lucha Libre Laughs. Who don't know what Triple L is? It's a uh, Colorado-based promotion that uh, Maki Ito is going to be performing. Um, and uh, Lucha Libre Laughs is a stand-up comedy and professional wrestling show. And so you get a little great. bit of everything in your evening. And it's this great mixed crowd where you see people from uh, who come for the stand-up comedy and are like, 
pro wrestling. Okay, that's interesting. And you get the people who come from the pro wrestling and are like, I'm going to stay for the jokes. And the funny thing about the stand-up people is that they don't know any wrestling when they come do it. They are literally, there are people whose jokes are like, what the hell did I just watch? And like their whole routine is about their observations of pro wrestling. It's actually a great time if uh, it's at the Oriental Theater here in Denver. And I will be there tomorrow at Lucha Libre Laugh. So, yes. Triple, That's awesome. Uh, so, yes, Bugaboo Jones, I will be at Triple L uh, tomorrow to see Maki Ito. Um, who else is on that card, though? I think he's got a pretty good card. Um, didn't I see that? Um, was Effie on that card also? Uh, let's see. Lucha that makes Lee. sense. He could do the stand-up and the, and the wrestling. <laughs> Effie. And Maki Ito was on uh, Dark Elevation uh, taping yesterday. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I see Maxi Impaler on the card. Uh, this this is gonna be fun. So I will be there, and it's sold out. So uh, there's uh, I guess less of a chance to be there if you're not gonna be there. Um, and, uh, oh, and is that Warhorse? Oh shit! Okay, this is gonna be a good show tomorrow. Come to Lucha Libre Labs mm-hmm. if uh, if you already have a ticket. Um, if not, you might be screwed. Uh, but and the thing is like. Once that theater fills up, there's, like, no extra room. Um, Caden says, thoughts on anyone else jumping from WWE to AEW? Uh, At the moment, I can't think of anybody. I know there's the Drew McIntyre rumors going around. Um, He's too much of a company face for for me to say he was going to make that jump. Even though I I, I would love to see it. I thought thought his TNA run was better than his first WWE run. He's a ring of honor. There's a lot of stuff we've seen. I don't know. Um, anything can happen. I'm not willing to say anybody is a company guy uh, with the right deal come their yeah. way. Um, but who could jump? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I looking at thinking about the WWE roster right now, because like everybody's wondering what the hell is up with Bailey right now. Yeah. Uh, I've had multiple people ask me, and it is mums at the moment. So, Caden uh, says, let's go, Billy, beat Jade. I don't think that's happening, and you don't <laughs> think that's happening. Uh, but that would be... Nope, I don't even think that'd be cool. She's not the one. Uh, Ethan no. says, MJF about to have a Macho Man rap album come out soon. Here for it. So be a man, Jack! Um, let's see... <laughs> Uh, Uncultured Gamer says, I legit couldn't watch FTR versus Guns. Couldn't stand a thought of more disappointment this week. <laughs> hey, that's... Jesus. <laughs> look, um, I mean, look, they got people. They really worked everybody for some time. Leonard Aarons III says, How do, folks? Real quick note about Jay. The hand signal he did took it back to Prince Devitt and the very beginning of Bullet Club. Saturday yeah. should be fun. Yes, indeed. I, I, I found that very interesting in that segment that they didn't do the two sweet. And I like him going back to, to the original things. And it's going to be very interesting because this feels like they're ha- going to have the first connective storyline because the whole thing going on with the Bullet Club in New Japan is who's the leader now. And you got El Phantasmo on one side saying that he didn't like what David Finley did to Jay White. They said that they were going to let Jay 
leave and go out on his own. And it was Gato that got in David Finley's ear for him to make that move at Battle in the Valley. There's been dissension going on. So what is the how is the Bully Club going to react come Sakara Genesis to now Jay showing up in AEW still repping Bully Club? That's a good question. Uh, and I don't have the answer. <laughs> Uh, Johnny says Vince gonna have Omos be champion next year. No, he's not because Vince is never taking the title off of Roman Reigns. It's never happening. Uh, let's see. 3,000 days. <laughs> yes. We have another one from Pablo. It says, Good afternoon, dads. Uh, says, Can't believe I'm going to two shows in a week and a half. Uh, with Double or Nothing and uh, then the Dynamite in Colorado Springs. Yep, uh, the tickets just went on sale for that Dynamite today. Uh, I guess I'm one of them hardcores now. Excited for Swerve's announcement. I hope Ego doesn't lose clean Friday. Can't wait for his eventual push. Uh, I think there's going to be an angle coming out of that Friday, and we'll find out what that is. Uh, let's see. And then we got another one from Johnny that says, FTR versus Christian Cage and Luchasaurus at the pay-per-view? Hmm. be interesting. That would be. I like. I actually like that, and that's FTR getting one of the two people that they said they wanted to face in, in the ring, so why yeah. not? Why not? All right, folks. SP3, make your plugs, because I got to get to Ask Rhapsody over on Fightful Select. So join us on FightfulSelect.com. Me, Phil, and Reg will be there right now, uh, and jump on over, and we'll answer any questions you got. But SP3, make your plugs. Thank you so much to Will for having me on. I, I had to reach out to Phil and be like, I, I got to get on here because I missed out on the last few times he's asked me because I'm usually busy on Thursday. So anytime I have a Thursday free, I'm definitely going to be in his DMs telling him because I love talking to, to Will and reminiscing about when I was 12 years old and what made wrestling popular to talk to girls about. Yeah. <laughs> so follow me on the Twitter machine at TrueHillSP3. Subscribe to the True Hill Heat Wrestling YouTube channel, Daily Con content over there i'll be live tomorrow at 11:05 a.m eastern time with our new japan pro wrestling sakara genesis preview also on saturday the true hill heat flagship podcast at 11:05 a.m eastern time where we talk about the whole week of wrestling recapping everything that happened in wrestlemania and we'll have special guest alex mccarthy on that show as well hey but mac Yes, love love being on here. Love Will, one of the most knowledgeable people I know and definitely someone I enjoy talking about all of wrestling with, not just AEW, all around the spectrum. But thank you once again, man. And thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.